This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. Hi, Will. Two weeks in a row, back in the same room. I know. Well, I mean, for the listeners, three weeks in a row. Three because weeks. Because we recorded two last week in one day. Yeah. And now this is the third, and perhaps it'll even be a fourth. So it'll yes. be four weeks in a row in the same room. Yeah, feels Over two good. weeks. I mean, I think and the this secret- is the sort of quality banter it's brought you. <laughs> the secret to a good podcast is you always have a dog in your lap. Needing its back rubbed. Ramona uh, has really embraced... I've had a few people over for podcasts mm. uh, this week. I've uh, been banking some philosophy episodes. We're trying to bank some Tofop episodes. We've both got some uh, big things coming up. And uh, so we need to get some in the can. <laughs> and so I've had a bunch of people over the house. And uh, because their mother is, has been away for a, a month or so, uh, they have embraced the idea of there being a, a second... A second scratcher, yeah. a second rubber, a second massage. I imagine Ramon is just like sliding you like as potential guest philosophy. It's just like there's a masseuse. Like <laughs> lives in the area. She looks good. Maybe yeah. you invite her around. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Just why, why can't you do more with uh, a you know, pet, mas- yeah, a pet, 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 pet masseuse? Yeah. I want to see the philosophy of a pet masseuse. Are there pet masseuses? There must oh, be. There must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there are uh, pet yoga instructors... Are there pet yoga instructors? I just yeah. assume that there are. There well, are? there's definitely yoga you can take your pet to. Doga, they call it. Okay, right, let me just see if there are pet masseuses. Do you want to put money on this? What's the, what are the odds you think of this being a real I thing? would say uh, I'll pay $1.01, basically, because I reckon there is absolutely 100% pet massage. There's got to be pet massage. Oh, well, I can't even tell you what a, the salary is. That's the first thing that came up for pet masseuse salary. Animal massage therapist. The Northwest School of Animal Massage notes the salaries of animal massage therapists. Firstly, there's a school of it, Charlie. Yeah. It doesn't just exist. There's some school that's dedicated to it. Do you want to find out about animal massage therapy? (laughs) Absolutely, 100% I do. Okay. I mean, what would I start at? Wikipedia, maybe? Well, I mean, tell us about this school first. Tell us how much we're making as animal masseuse. So, I mean, I'm assuming this is an American website. Northwest School of Animal Massage, the NWSAM, notes the salaries of animal massage therapists generally mirrors the earnings of human massage therapists. Median annual salary is $41,000. So it depends on whether you're willing to give the uh, animal a happy ending or not, (laughs) on how much you get. (laughs) I mean, I know when I take... (laughs) My dog to get a massage. I walk in and I say, now, I hope this is one of them <laughs> reputable, like you vets keep your clothes on, all right, during this massage, because I don't want to come back and find out my dog's red rocket 
has been tampered with. Sir, the name of this business is Red Rockets. <laughs> what did you think that meant? Red Rockets massage. Wow. All right. So, yeah, they make 41000 Okay, 41000 so That's after tax, so about 71000 Okay. Gross. Well, that's pretty... So that's, that's equitable to what a normal massage would right, be, right? that's pretty good, though, to, to, like, spend your life rubbing some dogs. Okay, so... Like, if you like, if you like patting a dog, you could actually go pro with that. Earn yourself 70 grand a year. Okay, so I found a website called Holistic... 100,000 if you're willing to give hand jobs at the end. <laughs> I mean... But, like, if, it's, if you're, a pet, you're assuming it's pet masseuse therapy, what if you're assuming that it's, like, you know, what if they don't have a penis? What if it's a cloaca? I mean, can you take your chicken to a pet massage therapist? I mean, at a happy ending, does an egg pop out? I mean, I guess you're right. It is pet massage. I've yeah, I'm going to take my octopus to the pet massage therapist. Good luck trying to jerk him off. <laughs> Mr. Clausen, this is not a pet masseuse. <laughs> Mr. Clausen, why does your octopus have nine legs? Exactly. Get to it. Start yanking. <laughs> As is the name of your business. You gave me the card. <laughs> okay. Learn how to massage your dogs with this easy-to-follow comprehensive online course. Okay. Oh, so that's how you get your qualifications. Okay. Basically, the bottom of a cereal packet. Well, that's okay. It's an online course. Massage can help decrease pain in your dog, increase range of motion, aid in bonding, and improve your dog's quality of life. All right. Well, oh, that's... Sorry. I, I, range of motion. Yeah. I honestly thought you said range of emotion. <laughs> I'm like, how is massaging my dog going to increase its range of emotions? You know what? I've been massaging Ramona recently. Her emotional range has really widened out. I reckon this website has been written by dogs. Okay. I reckon dogs have like, they're pretending that they can't, you know, like use the internet, but they've created this website to trick, <laughs> to trick us. I mean, if it's not... Bad enough, we're already like picking up their poo and feeding them whenever they want it. Now they're like, well, let's see if we can get these dickheads to give us massages whenever we want. <laughs> All right. So a dog, every, a course every dog owner should take. So okay. the course curriculum includes Introduction to the History of Massage, Canine Locomotor System Anatomy, Evaluation, Vital Signs, Massage Preparations, Contradictions to Massage, Massage techniques, basic strokes, Swedish, myofascial, fascial, fascial, I know, release, CMS, and gusha, gusha, <laughs> basic stretches, aromatherapy, hot and cold therapy, <laughs> evaluating collars and harnesses, basic nutrition and supplementation. So it's 250 bucks. Well, you and I could become qualified. Well, yeah, that's how we could be qualified. Dogmasus. Would we? Or would we have just done a course? <laughs> I don't know if that makes... Like, well, I could do a CPR course, but it doesn't make me a doctor. Well, I mean, what's the difference? This is just a particular course. Yeah, but that's different to going and studying as a professional dog Okay, hang on. It must be legit. There is a website. There is a page on canine massage, massage, massage on Wikipedia. Okay. Canine massage is a branch of massage therapy. That promotes health in dogs, specifically canine massage therapy is a form of alternative therapy, the benefits of which may include increased oxygenation, relief from pain, improved joint flexibility, as well as miscellaneous benefits to the immune system. It uses touch to maintain or improve physical health and, emo health and emotional well-being. So it's massage for, like for a human. Yeah. No difference there. The history of canine massage 
dates back to ancient times in India during the development of avarmology, not only human but animal bodies were charted, resulting in what we refer to as trigger points. Julius Caesar traveled with a personal masotherapist. This masseuse also worked on Caesar's war dogs. (laughs) That's an Adam Sandler film right there. He's the masseuse who has to massage Caesar's war dogs. And Caesar's played by Kevin Nealon. And in some sort of mix-up, he becomes Caesar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I was trying to tell someone the other day, uh, you know that uh, we've talked about that documentary Free Solo and uh, there's a scene where the guy gets a CAT scan and the reason they they posit that maybe he can is so fearless is his medulla oblongata does not fire up and I was telling my friends yesterday about that and I said medulla oblongata I said how did you know that phrase and I thought I know that phrase because of the Adam Sandler film The Waterboy <laughs> <laughs> because there is a scene in that in which he's doing like a biology class and the teacher makes fun of him saying he's got an overactive medulla oblongata, which makes people like savages or whatever. And I played the clip to my friends. This is two nights ago. And it was the single worst scene (laughs) in history. Like the water boy made millions of dollars. It was terrible. It It has not dated well. And I doubt it was even good when it came out. It wasn't good when it came out. But it made millions of dollars, right? Yeah, but... I mean, Adam Sandler's career is an exercise in making millions of dollars for things that aren't that good. Yeah. Renowned as being a very nice guy, has done some extremely funny things. I, I thought a couple of things from his stand-up show and a few of like, yeah, know, like novelty songs and stuff. Special. There was heaps of like really great stuff in it. Yeah. But I tried to watch that movie he's made recently, the most recent one that's on Netflix. Mm. And it's like sort of some romance novel with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's unwatchable. Right. Like, and I have low standards, <laughs> <laughs> but it's unwatchable. Well, he's figured it out though, hasn't he? What? What's he figured out? I'm gonna get how paid. to get people to give you money regardless yeah. of the quality of your material. Well, I think, but I genuinely. But how has he figured that out? Explain to me what he's done that's figured that out, or has he just kept making things and people? How are people blind to the fact that most of the things he makes are fine at best? I don't know. And I have no ill will I don't towards know. Adam Sandler. No, and I, I am the same. I have no ill will, but I have not watched one of his films in like over 10 years. I've watched all of them. Oh. And most of them are terrible. I would imagine so. They really are. But the thing is, I know they're terrible, but it doesn't make me feel any... I like, still seem to like, I like him. I like him too. Yeah. But that's what I mean. He's figured it out. Like, we should hate him. <laughs> I mean, there are, but you know what? There are people that hate him. Red Letter Media do a great, like, video breakdown of um, Jack and Jill, and they actually take it to a quite serious place. Where one of them says, "I actually think that Adam Sandler is terrible because his films are actually just glorified ads. Like he's gone like that whole thing with Dunkin' Donuts and stuff. Like he's gone, he's taking millions of dollars and making these really expensive ads, and you know, people are flocking to see them. He's gone. It is so artistically devoid." Any merit. Like, he's just figured out, how can I turn up on set for the least amount of time, hang out with my friends and get paid millions of dollars? And then okay. buy all my I'll friends' just get, cars. I'll just get brands involved. Yeah. I'll just get, I'll, what's for sale? You want the background this shot? We'll drink that coffee. Go, go, yep, 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 yep. Millions, millions, millions. I'm going to turn up for three hours yeah. today, shoot this scene. I'm just, don't worry about wardrobe. I'll just wear the clothes I'm in, you know? And we only need one take. We only need one take. what I've proved over the last 20 years is that'll do. You know what people love? Get a highly respected actor and get yeah. him to do a rap Embarrass song. Embarrass them. <laughs> Embarrass them. Ruin their career. 
bring them down to my People level. People love to see Jack Nicholson slumming it. People love to see Al Pacino slumming it. The joke is, no one can believe they're doing this. <laughs> That's the joke. I mean, it's, it is kind of unbelievable. I mean, his run has been for, what, 20 years plus? And again, I want it to be good. I go into it going, oh, this will be the one. Because I did really like that stand-up special. And that um, the, the mumble rap parody wallet jacket keys or whatever it is of that one. Mm. Um, funny. Like some really funny stuff. Yeah. I loved when he hosted Saturday Night Live. His song for um, Chris Farley was really like emotional. Yeah. And like, I, I, I like him. Yeah. But I, his movies are no good. But it's almost, but he knows that and he doesn't give a shit. And yes. yet we still like him. Maybe that's why. It's because we know that he knows. You're right. We know that he's just like, he's worked out the con. He's yeah. the one who's going, this industry is bullshit. And like, it's, there are so many faults and so many things of it. So rather than me like rally against those things constantly, I'm just going to go, fuck it. Well, if you're just going to give me a heap of money to put in the most minimal effort absolutely possible and I can just do it with my mates and then we can all have cars and we can have heaps of free time from not having to try to spend all our money and hang out and do whatever it is we do with our time. Mm. Well, I guess maybe he's just gamed the system. Maybe he's seen through all the bullshit and just gone, why work so hard when I can work half as hard and it'll do? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. and But I think it's... He's, it's his upfrontness about it. Like the, there's a lack of, he's not going for an Oscar. No. Like he's not even going for like any <laughs> kind of artistic respect. <laughs> you know what he is? That's not true. He'll go off and do a Noah Baumbach yeah. film or, you know, um, what's the other face? Uh, Prince Drunk Love Guy. Paul, Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson. Anderson. So he'll, you know, and he, he, he plays both sides excellently. Yeah. Oh no, he's much more talented than what he's making. Yeah. Would be my... I guess that's my only well, frustration. It, it's it's kind of like an episode of the Twilight Zone or something. Not Twilight Zone, but it's like a, it's a, a it's an ethical dilemma where someone comes to you and says, "Hey, look, you are super talented, but we're going to make you super famous for the shit stuff. But you know, you'll you'll have a successful career. Maybe your your super talent won't be as widely seen by other people. Do you you take that deal? I mean, now I would because my hips hurt. But when I was young and my body didn't ache at all times, I would have liked to have thought, no. No. My, I have integrity. I have integrity. But it turns out Nowadays, my, I just want to buy my friends a Ferrari. <laughs> I'd like to just buy my friends a Ferrari. I can't even drive on myself with these hips. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, was it... Uh, what kind of... Oh, so... War dogs. War, yeah, war dogs. Massaging war dogs. Massaging... So that's the history for those who've come in late. I mean, I don't know why, because it's on the radio show. People <laughs> haven't tuned in. come in late. Uh, okay. First known documentation of massage was uh, 2700 BC in China. Massage techniques continued to develop throughout history and are mentioned in the early writings of the Greeks, Romans, Egyptians. Well, of course, the Egyptians, those cats. Yeah. Because they would, you know... They've only been domesticated for 50,000 years, so knock 2,000 years off that and that's some fucking uppity cats. And if I've learned anything from uh, paintings on pyramids about the posture of Egyptians, they needed a good massage. <laughs> they were all out of shape. Yeah. They really needed a chiropractor, a masseuse, a physiotherapist. Uh, Turks, Persians and the Japanese. Early Egyptian hieroglyphics even depict animal healers using massage techniques and horse massage was practiced in ancient China and Rome. The most common form of massage used in the West is known as Swedish massage, which was first developed by Per Henrik Ling, which I believe is Cameron Ling's 
uh, really, Cameron Ling, the AFL footballer. Yes. Really, from Geelong. Yeah. He's what? Great, 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 great grandfather. Swedish grandfather. Uh, invented Because Cameron Ling, of course, famously redheaded. <laughs> Notorious among the Swedes. <laughs> the practice of Swedish massage was first brought to the US by Dr. Weir Mitchell, um, grandfather of Sam Mitchell. Sam Mitchell, the <laughs> former Hawthorne superstar. It's weird. But, there's such an AFL connection to the history of massage. Speaking well, of AFL. It's not that weird because... <laughs> I mean, the one thing that you do need after a game of AFL is a massage. A massage, right? Yeah. So AFL couldn't actually exist without massage. And the grandfathers of both Sam Mitchell and uh, Cameron Link. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Great, 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 great grandfathers. It was not until World War I, World War II that the benefits were truly recognised in that country with the formation of the American Massage Therapy Association, AMTA. State-by-state efforts were made to pass laws that licensed and thereby legitimised massage as a medical treatment. In terms of animal massage, though... The Germans also had to do a lot of massage because putting just one arm up all the time <laughs> makes your shoulder, shoulder really, 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 really sore. I mean, look, I love Put being a white out. supremacist. I love, I love Hitler, don't get me wrong. my shoulder. My neck does not love Hitler. <laughs> ow! Ow! Sig, ow! Ow! Although people have been performing some form of massage on animals throughout history, modern massage... Have you seen how he makes us walk? My <laughs> hamstrings My are bloody hamstrings killing, are killing me. me. I mean, that's, not, that's a statistic that a lot of people don't know from the Second World War, is like most of the casualties were from like gunshot wounds, yeah. but a high number had complete hamstring deaths. Yeah. Three to four weeks in the injury. Entire battalions out with syndesmosis. <laughs> the dreaded osteitis pubis. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we'll beat the Nazis. <laughs> Trench toe. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, state-by-state efforts were made to pass laws that licensed and therefore legitimised it as a medical therapy. In terms of animal massage, although people have been performing some form of massage on animals throughout history, modern massage was primarily used for horses until the late 20th century. Oh, okay. As so long- it was mostly horse-based massage. Yes. Yeah, as okay. long as a horse, as horse racing's existed, equine massage has been an integral part of caring for the valuable animals. I think I've heard of that before. Mm. In the 1970s, the U.S. equestrian team formalized their use of massage, no longer referring to it as a rub down, but calling it therapy. I think they changed it from rub down to therapy, not mm. because of any kind like it's because, because of an incident. Yeah, there was exactly. definitely an incident. No rub down. <laughs> and from, from now on, we're calling it therapy. <laughs> Jack Ma, they're calling it therapy because the stable boy who saw it happen is now in therapy. Now in therapy. And my wife and I are now in therapy and she says never to mention rub down again. So, Jack Ma, who coined the term, term sports massage, mm-hmm. Jack Ma, uh, grandfather of, of uh, uh, Ray Ma, uh, plays Alf on Home and Away. Oh, is that right? And Alf is an anagram for AFL. It's true. And the AFL is, of course, uh, split into rounds uh, that are labelled Home and Away. Yeah. Uh, he coined the term sports massage and began working with racing and show horses, including the US three-day event team and the Olympic team. Again Can- with the horses, though. Mm, Again, it's still horse-based massage, isn't it? Canine massage grew in popularity shortly after the public began to recognize the benefits of equine massage. I reckon if we can rub a horse, we can rub a dog. <laughs> like just a quiet... It's like when right. someone like just they're testing you out just to see like if you're, if you're DTF. You so, are, you know, I mean, you ever rubbed a horse? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've rubbed a e- horse. Equine therapy is good. You ever, all, but, uh, uh, ever rubbed anything smaller than a horse? Maybe a pony. You ever rubbed a pony? Uh, what do you mean? Like, uh, you're talking like a donkey or something? Yeah, like you ever rubbed a donkey? Have you? I'd rub the shit out of a donkey. Yeah, you've rubbed the shit out of a donkey. You ever rubbed a 
Palomino? Yeah, you bet your goddamn ass I have. <laughs> well, lesser. How would you feel about rubbing a big dog? <laughs> now you're talking my language. <laughs> That's a dream come true. I will not let you down. <laughs> You'd start with the big dogs and work your way down until it was socially acceptable. Canine massage therapy should not be used as a substitute for veterinary medical care. However... <laughs> okay. That feels like a unnecessary warning in the middle of it. Well, I think so many people have tried to massage cancer out of their dogs and maybe the vet association was like, you know what, just bring it into us. We probably time. should just say. However, when used in combination with medical care, it can enhance the recovery process in many medical cases. In particular, canine massage used for rehabilitation purposes can include the following benefits, citations needed. So this might be some bullshit. Okay. Help to relieve age-related problems. Makes okay. sense. Reverse muscle as atrophy from inactivity or disuse yeah, okay provide relief from muscle tension soreness spasms and weakness okay provide relief from chronic pain and discomfort from mm -hmm. arthritis hip dysplasia etc through the release of endorphins in addition canine massage can provide emotional well-being for the animal massage therapists often work with animals to calm hyperactivity anxiousness and nervousness yeah well that's going to calm you down yep yeah, i think anxious or nervous get a nice rub Nice professional rub. I think Junior, when he gets anxious, that's the thing. He comes over for a massage. Like if he's anxious about someone in the house or whatever, he'll come sit next to you and you need to kind of like... Yeah. Well, that's... I mean, essentially this conversation started because Ramona started on your lap then came to my lap. And Did she seem like anxious a... though? I don't think she seemed anxious. Yeah, she's anxious for a back rub. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that she's now asleep next to me in her dog bed. I mean, she doesn't look particularly anxious, but... I got a massage actually before I came here today, just a 20-minute neck and shoulders. <laughs> I got a rub down. <laughs> um, I was just out of stables. It was fucking brutal. It was just, uh, I've just got a really, I think it's from looking at the computer, my neck and shoulders. So I just went to a Chinese place, Chinese massage, and I forgot. Well, they invented it, so. Well, it's very, but their style, it's very elbow point. It's pretty yeah. much just elbow points up yeah. and down the pressure points. And I always like to, like when I'm going through it's just to like see how much I can tough it out and see if I can compartmentalize the pain. And it turns out I can't. <laughs> I'm so not good with pain. Like I build it up in my mind so much as it's happening. Like I'm trying to sort of like, how do you disconnect from this? Like, how do you just go to a happy place? How do you just like disconnect from the pain? I wonder how much of that is bullshit too though. Because mean? I know in our head you go, oh, this is hurting. So it must be helping. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's just not meant to hurt that much. Do you mean like, do you know the amount of times where you've put up with the pain because you assume that it must be good for you? Mm. But maybe the pain is your body's warning that they're actually... This is not good. Not, this is not good. And they yeah. should be doing it much lighter. And this whole time you've just been hurting yourself just because you can't, you don't have the guts to say, just do it a bit softer. That is a good point. I mean, I the best massage I've ever had at the time, I, like this woman was quite expensive and my uh, gem had paid for it. And I was like, that seems like a lot of money for like just an hour massage. And as it was happening, I was lying there being like, oh no, like this is bullshit. Like I didn't feel any mm. change and she wasn't going harder to go harder and stuff. And then um, at the end of the massage, I got up and it was like magic. Like she completely fixed with her. And it was exactly that yeah, thing of... Because she hadn't been bashing you for an hour yeah. with her elbow. She hadn't just like... If you're on an AFL field and some dude's elbowing you all day, yeah. the other day I go doesn't run, run off and just go, oh, I just feel so refreshed. I feel so loose. All that elbowing I was getting in my back. But I think it's that thing of wanting to like, 
like when you get muscle spasms or whatever, because you get those little knots. Yes. The idea is like you feel like the instinct is to like bash them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but is that like that? That doesn't seem like a sound medical practice. Like when you go to the doctor, if whatever you had wrong with you, your doctor just got out a little hammer and said, "I'm about to bash it. I'm gonna bash it out of you." Well, I think it does. Like, I, does it? Well, I made a vow as a doctor because bashing things normally hurts me. He told me that like you got to think about like a muscle. Like he said, if you have a piece of steak in the freezer and it mm. comes out and it's all frozen up and it, it's very it won't move, it's all stuck and it's gone. But then you heat it up, you get all flexibility into it, and it starts moving around. But then as soon as it like cools down or gets dehydrated, it's going to get very hard again. So he's like, massage doesn't actually have any lasting impact because it's just like cause and effect you warm an area you get blood into it it loosens up for a bit but then you know if you just go back to exactly what you've been doing before looking at your computer you don't drink enough fluid you don't stretch or whatever it just tightens up again yeah so it is like the most it's the most minor thing you can do for that muscle yeah essentially you've just yeah you just made it feel better for a bit yeah for like cause and effect by being bashed yeah we're gonna get so many letters from dog masseuses (laughs) Or I mean, if you are a dog masseuse, yeah. send us an email. Yeah, I would love to hear from any dog masseuses out there. Several strokes and techniques are used in human massage that are practiced in canine massage mm-hmm. for similar reasons. These techniques include Swedish, Maya Fascial, 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 I've heard this before, Maya and Fascial, Fascial, Release. <laughs> Positional release, reflexology, watsu, trigger point therapy, orthobionomy, various osteopathic techniques and acupressure to name a few. Many of the multitude of massage techniques share some very basic strokes, but the application of these strokes may vary depending on the intent of the stroke and the practitioners. All right, so they've got charting techniques. Don't know what that means. Legal status. Okay. Laws relating to animal massage vary widely by municipality, state, and country. Okay. In the U.S., for example, state laws vary widely. The IAAMB provides reasonably up-to-date chart of state veterinary scope of practice laws as they pertain to animal massage. Some states have no restrictions and only require that... Just like, if there's an animal, you fucking rub it, mate. (laughs) Yeah, rub it, mate. Rub your Welcome to Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) If you see an animal, you fucking rub that animal. If you grab a starfish, start yanking on the You know what? Do what you like, mate. This is the zoo. Rub what you like. (laughs) Welcome to Wisconsin. And then some states require that only veterinarians can perform. Only vets can rub your pet. Yes, can perform canine massage. Another example in the UK, all canine massage therapists can only practice under direct supervision of a vet, vet, veterinarian, while, while in the Netherlands, animal massage is part of the curriculum for animal physiotherapists. Of course, in the Netherlands, there's animal physiotherapists. <laughs> Which are paid for by the government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the minister who passed the law enforcing that is an actual dog. Because yeah. <laughs> in the Netherlands, <laughs> animals can... Be represented in parliament. parliament. <laughs> They're equal to us. So progressive. <laughs> That is so progressive that animals are sitting in parliament. (laughs) You know, the minister for dogs is a dog. (laughs) It's a great statement for the world, you know. Who knows dog issues better than an actual dog? Representation matters. Yeah. And rexabentation matters. (laughs) Hang on. That is uh, dogist. (laughs) Caninist. Caninist. There are, however, organizations that exist to try and self-regulate the industry and provide information to practitioners and okay. clients. Self-regulation always, always works, works, doesn't it? 
Oops. It's fine. It's fine. We don't need any oversight. The industry we'll has what we call self-regulation, which everybody else knows as little or no regulation. Yeah. Look, we've had a record number of dogs with broken legs this year. <laughs> Are you guys sure you can still self-regulate? Don't you think we should just sure. bring in some government oversight? No, no, no. no, 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 no. We got it, mate. Don't need red tape involved in this, mate. <laughs> just trying to rub a dog. Snap. What was that? Nothing? <laughs> Did you just break another dog's leg? No. No. <laughs> it sounds like there's a dog there in a lot of pain. No, no. He's, that, he's saying he's loving it. Well, you speak dog as hell. Yep. Massage therapist and dog translator. <laughs> <laughs> the International Association of Animal Massage and Bodywork. It sounds sexy, don't you, right? <laughs> no. Bodywork sounds like a cheesy film from the 80s. It was all about like <laughs> dancing, aerobics instructors. Yeah, dancing stripper dogs. Yeah. <laughs> a Magic Mike spinoff. It's Magic Mike meets Best in Show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the International Association of Animal Massage and Bodywork is a professional organization that provides support for animal massage therapists. In addition to being a prominent voice in the animal massage community, the IAA, the IAAMB supports national... I, I'm a uh, prominent voice in the animal massage community. Oh, sir, sir, I don't know if you know who you're talking to. <laughs> I am a prominent voice in the animal massage community no sir i won't calm down <laughs> i don't know if you know who you're talking to it is i a prominent voice in the animal massage community well uh speaking as a prominent voice in the animal massage uh, community i feel it makes me uh, perfectly suited to comment on this topic <laughs> as i i also am a prominent voice in the animal <laughs> massage community and i concur uh, international, the International Association of Animal Massage Therapists is another group. Both of these organizations share physical addresses with specific schools. There is, as of writing, no truly independent trade association for animal massage therapists. Right. Okay. I mean, does that necessarily, that doesn't discount it as an industry, does it? It just puts it in more of that naturopathic kind of... Yeah, you wouldn't have thought that there was, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is a huge well, they, industry, you'd, but... Well, you'd want them to be like verified by vets, wouldn't you? Like, as long as the vets say, hey, this is cool. You yes. Know. You know how, like, for instance, like, growing up, I always felt like there was, like, an underworld-style battle going on between chiropractors and physiotherapists. They were like, you know, there, there was this war raging because, you know, growing up, I was told, well, you never see a chiropractor because yeah, physiotherapists are medically trained yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Chiro and chiropractors Practice are it. witch doctors. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But then, you know... Like I see uh, osteo now and apparently like osteotherapy is the new thing and, and, and that's medically accredited. And so it feels like maybe those warring factions had a child, <laughs> you know, that would unite the two warring tribes. I mean, I don't know. Is that my history of massage skew? Did chiropractors and physiotherapists have an, osteo, an, osteopath, an osteotherapist? I mean, I don't... Offspring? I've seen a lot of people obviously having a terrible body that has let me down constantly. And I've uh, <laughs> seen physios and osteos and chiropractors and and yes i understand that idea that you know there's bad blood between you know the physios but the physios they're like we're medically trained and you're like yeah but your stuff doesn't feel like it works <laughs> you're like i didn't want to hear that i i didn't want to hear that i have to do a series of exercises yeah, that's every thing. day for physiotherapists give you homework yeah didn't come here for homework mate you know what just crack my neck yeah, or something. Make it feel good. Just make it feel good for a second. Take that frozen steak out of the freezer, yeah. warm it up for a bit, <laughs> exactly. and I'll let it dry out and get all tough and hard again. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't want to have to fucking get up every day and tenderize the steak for 25 minutes. I mean, where do, is chiropractors, are they still centers which doctors or have they got... I don't or is it more of a case of just, hey, whatever floats your boat? I mean, a lot of the people that I've been to recently seem to do a bit of everything. You know, yeah. they're just like, is your, does your back hurt? Okay, well, I've got like 15 different techniques I can use to try to make it feel better. Yeah. Well, that's why I felt like it maybe an osteopath was, was like a, a mixing of the two. Because you get homework from your osteopath as well, but you also get a lot of hands-on treatment. When I was a kid, I had a really bad back. I had to wear like a strain spite. Now I was like Forrest Gump, oh. <laughs> like for about six months. It was hilarious. I may have told this story before, but because it was when I was playing football, I used to get like heaps of lower back pain and, you know, I thought it was like hamstring related. So I went and saw this back specialist. And this guy was like the number one adolescent, like back, you know, for developing bodies, back specialist in Victoria. And this dude was like 97 years old, like Dr. Wishbones. Like, it's kind of doctor who's still smoking a pipe when you went into his office in Collins Street. And so his solution was to put him in like this kind of corset with two metal spines either side, two metal um, uh, uh, like well, rods yeah. either side of my spine. And that would just help the spine grow straight. Like, And so for six months, I was like having to go around school with this like back brace on and trying to play football, like not being able to breathe or anything like that. And then I went and saw a chiropractor. I had three sessions and it was fine. Like he completely just loosened my back up. I could walk around. It was fine. It's no problem. Yeah, it's one of those things where because it it's, it just seems like a bit of a mystery, there are so many like different theories about what you can do and what you should be doing and like what you should be like. I've been to physios that worked. I've been to chiropractors that worked. I've been to osteos that worked. And I've been to all three of those things that didn't work as well. Mm. And I can't tell you why. Like this current thing that I'm doing that we talked about previously on the podcast. Yeah. I guess that's... Cocoon gym. A cocoon gym, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we get in the swimming pool with the giant alien pods <laughs> and I've been feeling remarkably better. Um, so I guess that's the closest to... They're physios, yeah. and then this equipment is sort of the exercises and stuff that they normally send you home with. Yeah. This is just the equivalent of them not sending, them not trusting you to go home. Right. Then do your. It's homework. like do your homework here. Yeah. At this place. Detention. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We don't You've trust got spinal you. detention. Yeah. This is the breakfast club. Yeah. <laughs> You're the bender, except at the end you can barely get your arm up. Because yeah, it looking, hurts too much. Just looking around the old person yeah. cocoon gym, and I'm just like, there was all of us. There was a nerd, yeah. a jock, yeah. a princess. Yeah, the jock is in a wheelchair because he broke both his hips <laughs> back when he used to be an A grade footballer, but now he's in a wheelchair because years later, the hot girl, <laughs> the princess. That's a great idea. Yeah. Golden Girls meets Breakfast Club. <laughs> The Golden Club. <laughs> oh, man. That's it for dog therapy. Okay. Didn't learn that much. Well, we learned something. Well, no, I, well I did. I, I learned that you, but I, you I, can I, be a professional dog masseuse. I didn't get and a sense And you're getting up to $70,000 a year. But I didn't get a sense that it's popular or not. I mean, I feel like dog yoga would be more popular than... than well, look up dog yoga then. Well, I'll just... I'll type in pet masseuse and see if there's any, like, businesses in the area. Not okay. that we have to talk about where it is. But, yeah, there's quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dog's body mobile canine massage. Paws for paws, canine massage therapy. Dogs in motion, canine rehabilitation. And that's all... They're all local businesses. 
He's, yeah, I don't know. Probably not. It seems like a dog yoga situation. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's a business you get into when, you know, you've probably got another income stream, which is keeping you stable. And it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to be a dog masseuse. Well, you know what the funny thing is? We've been talking about this for ages and it's only just occurred to me that we took Ramona <laughs> to a dog massage place. Did we? We didn't, but oh. I took Ramona to a dog massage place. Um, because, oh, you- yes. So, um, when she was having trouble with her knee, her hip, um, uh, uh, they were saying that she might need an operation. Um, and we took her to this place, this woman who would give her acupuncture. I, I forgot because it was like <laughs> acupuncture, but she would also massage. Like, so we went, took her for acupuncture and then she, they put her in this little, what do they call them? Like a hydro. So you've had a, like a, a personal first-hand experience in this. And we just, how long have we done with you to bring this up? Well, here's what I will say. The, the reason I didn't was the smallest part of what we went to this therapist for was massage. Right. So the way that it would work was she'd come in, she'd put... Ramona, she do acupuncture on Ramona at the back, and then Ramona would have her sit down and let the needles, you know, in. And then occasionally she'd give her a little massage in between her then putting her into the. But she didn't do the massage all the time, right? But I assumed that she would be qualified in dog massage. And then she had this little machine, like a treadmill, yeah, like in a t- t- tiny little swimming pool, yeah, and it filled up with water. And then she put Ramona in like on the treadmill in the water and like exercise her but in the that's, water so that she could... It's like a training scene from, from Creed 2. Exactly. <laughs> like, did you just pull out an electric guitar and just start playing like a cool montage riff? Yeah, the and then, then weirdly enough, this uh, animal masseuse would get out a photo of Ramona's dad who had been murdered by <laughs> Russians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then a giant Russian dog comes in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, should we get to some correspondence? We've yeah, still got sure. quite a backlog of letters. Be probably good for us to get through. Um, to anyone who's been sending us stuff on the Patreon, we'll get to you guys as well. We just we've we've had a lot to talk about in the last few weeks, which is uh, which is good. But we will get to all Patreon messages. Yes, we just need to dig through the, the regular mail first. Yes. If you want to send us an email, you can go to tofop.com. There's a little uh, tab there called Hey Tofop, and that'll take you to a link that'll uh, a window where you can send us a message. Or another great way to contact us is via our Patreon page. And the best part about that is it's a, uh, it's a two-way street. You're contacting us and we're contacting you for money. <laughs> it's, it's, All right, this is a bad pitch. Let me start again. Uh, no, the best part about going to Patreon is that you give us money. Shit. Wait a minute. We want your money. Oh, God damn it. How do I phrase this? We have a Patreon account. If you want to support the show, we get advertising from time to time, but uh, Patreon is the best way you yeah. can keep conversations like this alive. It's a, it's a very small business. Very small business. Uh, it's a very, very small business, but um, the Patreon money is lets us pay everybody that deserves to be paid. We yeah. don't want to be wage thieves. We don't want to be the George Columbaris <laughs> of the podcasting world. So, you know, James Fosdyke, who does our art, and Mike Hal, who... Um, edits our podcast and um you know it's nice to be able to pay those people when we get someone to film something or help us out with things so um the best way to do that is patreon.com slash tofop yeah and you can join up at any level uh, yep. uh, any amount of money and, and get all the bonus content that, that is there it's essentially crowdfunding so whereas you might donate you know to your uncle's trip to 
you know, America or something like that. This is a monthly crowdfunding thing. So every- Fuck your uncle is what was it. <laughs> I mean, don't fuck your <laughs> don't uncle. Fuck your uncle. Well, well, no, don't. Unless no. it's like in, like, unless it's an affectionate name yeah. of a male. Oh, like he's your you dad's know. mate. But oh, but then again, oh, that still, still sounds weird. weird. Yeah, I mean, but then again, if you're both consenting adults, exactly. who cares? As long as you don't feel like it's a power imbalance. But what would your dad yeah. think about it? Well, he doesn't have ownership over you. Well, if you, he died too. I mean, if he died, maybe. Is your dad but dead? even then, yeah. does it, maybe it's some some kind of unresolved Why issue. Why don't you there? fuck your dad, dead dad's best mate? <laughs> Topher. That's an ad bitch for you. Uh, the best thing about being a Patreon is there's all this bonus content on there. So you're giving us money, but you're also getting a bunch of content you'll ne- you won't get anywhere else, including the Quantum Cop comic strip that James Fosdyke and I have created, Everyone Relax, which is another strip that James does based on the conversations of Tofop. There's a, a bunch of live videos up there, links to our Q's and a, Q&As, backstage photos, lots and lots of good stuff. Um, so you can get access to that. And also, possibly the hot ticket item is that if you join Patreon and you send us a, ma- a message and you include your address and you can win a Tofop sticker book, we've got like, I think, 37 to go. The handout, I think. <laughs> only, a, only a page, not an actual book. I keep, uh, yeah, not a sticker book. A sticker sheet. A sticker sheet. And I keep forgetting because I'm trying to like hand, like, because, you know, we got limited edition, like 50. <laughs> but I keep forgetting what number I've sent out. So there might be a couple of 17s out there. There's probably two 15s. So look, they are limited edition. The exact number might be a bit off by one or two because I keep forgetting. And I don't keep a track of these things. So, you know, look, I'm doing my best. <laughs> This comes from Matthew. You're not, you're not doing your best. <laughs> Matthew says, hey, fellas, my message is short and sweet. Just wanted to clear my conscience after an incident which occurred last week involving myself and an unsuspecting victim. I was walking through a shopping center in eastern Sydney with my partner on a rather wet, miserable Wednesday afternoon, disheveled and looking rather gormless. I noticed someone near an escalator who appeared familiar, yet I was unable to put a name to their face. After death staring this person for what was probably three seconds but felt like 30, I decided there must have been one of those familiar faces you come across in life, never to be resolved as a person you actually know. Turns out, after some considerable thought and a quick glance at Google Images, the unsuspecting victim appeared to be Charlie. So, in conclusion, in what is a rather hostile and angry, in what is a rather hostile and angry looking world at times, I'm sorry for the death stare. I absolutely love the show as well as Willosophy and all the content you guys produce. The ABC Radio... We're talking about soup for 20 minutes the other day, rendering all your conversations absolutely profound. <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> Matt. Better than conversations about soup on the ABC. Um, we also did have here last week when we're off to, uh, oh yeah, her breath probably doesn't smell great. Uh, the Weekly Planet podcast, uh, mm. live podcast that we did with those guys. Um, we were standing in my local neighbourhood uh, and we were rec- we were recognised by a couple who were walking down the street. Yeah, and he stopped and came back and just like was like, "What are you saying?" Well, you re- it was something like, "Are you recording today?" Yeah, which was a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, <laughs> we had just come <laughs> from recording, but we were so like it was so like I don't know we. It was kind of insulting that he he got he was so correct. <laughs> like we were both a little taken aback. It was like, yeah. I was like, I think, well, we hang out as well. <laughs> we don't just record, but you're right. <laughs> and you could not have looked even any more incognito. You had like a beanie and glasses and gloves I know. on. You look like you look like powder. Well, the fact that <laughs> you have a powder. The fact that he, he immediately recognised the two of us together too. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'd like be seeing Hamish and Andy together. It's like yeah, but we don't really publicly do a lot of no stuff together. 
Yeah. Anyway. It was weird. <laughs> Hello to him, though. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, so this is from Jimmy. Hey, Charlie and Will. Love the show, but I'm worried. Oh. I'm worried that you've missed a vital discussion on what is arguably one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, no. The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension. This film is a white-hot mess of gloriously ever-blowing quintessential 80s everything. Released in 1984, the cast includes Robocop from Robocop, the bad guy from, ever, from every footballer's favourite film, Shawshank Redemption, the old guy who plays Matthew McConaughey's father-in-law in Interstellar, and the kid who famously went on to play Danny Glover's son in the first three Lethal Weapons, and Jeff Goldblum. It had such high hopes on release, there was even a promo at the end of the film for a forthcoming sequel that never came forth. Here are some links. Worth a look, if so. Looking forward to your analysis slash gritty reboot. Cheers, Jimmy. And then he gives his address. Have you ever heard of this film? Yeah. it's a. I, I know amongst like nerds, it's like it's a big cult classic. Osher Ginsberg is a big fan of Buckaroo Bonsai. He goes on about it a bit. And uh, I tried to watch it. It was on Netflix. And it's just a bit... I think, you know, you just missed the time for something. Like maybe in the 80s it would have been fucking awesome, but I watched it and I was like, eh, I'm not into this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's certain things that you should watch, but then you're like, oh, I missed the boat. Like, I, um, I can't yeah, go absolutely. back and watch that thing from the 70s. I didn't have mobile phones. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, so many of those things. Like that idea that like your affection for them only pretty much comes from the fact that yeah. you liked it when it came out. Yeah, if you go back and watch the Hitchhiker's Guide TV show, it is borderline terrible. <laughs> but my memory of it, like at the time growing up, was like it was awesome. But yeah, I agree. you watch it now, it's like, oh, this is such shit. So you wouldn't take, you're not going to time travel someone from 2019 to you know show them that, and, just, and they'd be like, this is. You can watch it in today's times. Like I can watch. Tom Cruise deepfakes on the internet and YouTube. <laughs> Why would I watch Buckaroo Bonsai? It's so weird that you immediately went to that. Uh, just because your... I watched it last night. Have you seen that Tom Cruise deepfake? No, what, what is okay. it? Okay, let's save it for the next episode because it's, it's amazing. We can, it's a 15-minute clip I'll show you okay. with, and then we can talk about it because right. I've watched it like 10 times. I love it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, next letter is from Connor. Connor. Conor McGregor. <laughs> do you think it's Conor McGregor? No, I can't wait to do that. That's racist. I'm Irish, though. I can, can I do it? My mother's Irish. That's fine. You're Irish. You can do the Irish accent. Ah, okay. It's Conor. Oh, what turns it's out you can't. from Conor. You can't do the Irish accent. Tough up. <laughs> Cardassians and Mr. Squiggle. <laughs> what oh. is that accent? What part uh, of Ireland do you think you're from? Was I? Said <laughs> Paddy's dead. I can't do it. I've lost it. <clears throat> Conor McGregor. No, I can't do it. <laughs> What, what's my go-to if I have to do an Irish accent? Like, what's the... There must be a famous line that's like an Irishman. Listen carefully. I will find you. <laughs> I have a particular set of skills. No, that's not the go Who's got the go-to Irish accent? Um, Colin Farrell? It's kind of like... Hey, Colin Farrell. Hey, I've had it. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, because like, if you think, like, what's your go-to Scottish? Everyone does, like, Billy Connolly or a train spotting crowd. Right. So what's your go-to Irish? Jamoan. Do you ever notice? <laughs> Do you ever notice... <laughs> cool you ever notice <laughs> uh, I can't think of one who's like a, what's a famous Irish line like they'll take our wives they'll never take our freedom but it's Irish um, there's got to be one oh, right? they can take our lives but they'll never take our potatoes <laughs> that is racist <laughs> mate like I'm sitting here opposite you I'm not going to put up with that shit how dare how dare you Talk about my people like that. 
That's funny, is it? <laughs> what if there was a milk shortage in Hayfield? You insensitive prick. Would you make making those jokes then? Your family didn't have enough milk? <laughs> racist, yet <yeah>, anti-Mick <laughs> racist. Yeah. Connor. <laughs> oh, what about something like Bono says? Ah, uh, this is a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. Yeah. We're stealing it back. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Edge, play the blues. Okay, connoisseurs. <laughs> Tofop, Cardassians and Mr. Squiggle. On episode 242, Goonbag Hero, a Patreon message was read suggesting the possibility of Kardashians being robots in the process of a global takeover. Will mentioned that the name Kardashian sounds robotic and would be a plausible name for a, a race of Star Trek robots. As it happens, a race of Star Trek aliens are called the Cardassians. Though not robots, they are one of the major races appearing in multiple episodes and having their own Wikipedia page. Did you know that? No. Additionally... Well, unless there was a, a small part of my brain that... Went you, for an alien name. So when... No, because we were talking Kardashians and yeah. I said, sounds a bit like a Star Trek something, obviously. Yeah. Maybe there's a part of my brain that has stored Some, that bit of information somewhere, but no, yeah. I did not consciously know it and hearing it now doesn't make me any clearer that I would have known it. Additionally, an older episode discussing Mr. Squiggle mentioned... <laughs> we cover all the big topics from Dog Massage to Mr. Squiggle. Uh, uh, that, uh, that, uh, additionally, an old episode discussing Mr. Squiggle mentioned the skill that must have been required to draw accurately to a marionette puppet with a comparison made to using a marker on the end of a piece of string. After watching the footage of Mr. Squiggle in action, I've noticed that the top of his hat extends beyond the picture frame at all times. I propose that this pencil nose was in fact operated through a rod and not a string as suggested. Mm. <laughs> okay. Mm. Oh, you got us there. <laughs> got, got ourselves a Mr. Squiggle trailer. Additionally, his upside down drawings could have been right side up to a oh. properly oriented puppeteer. Oh. Well, there's definitely some skill involved in operating the pencil through a fixed rod. Television magic remains the key ingredient in bringing a magical moon man to life. Connor. Inference or mine. <laughs> like, I could read that same sentence as he probably intended it, and it would have not sounded like that. All right, let's try it that, okay? I've noticed the top of his hat extends beyond the picture frame at all times. I propose that his pencil nose is operated not through a rod, uh, through a rod and not through a string yeah. as suggested. Additionally, his upside down drawings could have been right side up to, uh, to a properly oriented puppeteer. Well, there's definitely some skill involved in operating a pencil through a fixed rod. Television magic remains the key ingredient to bring magical moon men to life. What do you reckon? Is that how he meant it? Or do you think he was a bit like, aha? <laughs> well, firstly, are we assuming that he has some sort of expertise in the world of puppeteering? Is this written as no. somebody who has like a... No, no, this is just someone who watched, watched some, obviously went and watched some YouTube. Yeah, but he suggested that it might be a rod rather than strings, which he Which suggests- I'm pretty sure we, we... I thought we arrived at that same conclusion anyway, because that's what I've always thought Mr. Chris Squiggle with how, how it was done. Unless with a rod rather yeah. than with strings. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I vaguely remember having this discussion, but I think maybe someone notified us around the time we released that episode and said it's on a broomstick or shortly after. Well, I mean, yes. Did, did you think that? I mean, I, I can't, I don't have like such distinct memories of Mr. Squiggle <laughs> to, to remember. To re well, I certainly don't remember us talking about it, but I. <laughs> But I also don't really remember... I remember the TV show in that I remember he was a man from the moon and there was a blackboard involved. 
and a Miss bull- Jane and a bulldozer and- that and a slug called a snail called Gus. Oh, that's right, Gus the snail. A but was Gus? Gus, didn't I, didn't, Gus was a comedian, right? He was like, "Hey, Mr. Squiggle, dickhead, are you fuck with? Come over here! Ah, good on you, Mr. Squiggle. It's me, Gus the Snail. Come on, mate. You're all right. You're all right. Yeah, skinny bastard. Oh no, he knows I'm joking. He knows I'm joking. Wasn't Gus like the obnoxious neighbor? Hey, Squigs, don't call him Squigs. Uh, he loves it. You love it. Uh, you tell me about a problem. He's all right. Hey, Mr. Squiggle. Listen, tell me, mate. Listen, if you're going back to the moon, I just wonder if you could bring me some of that moonwalk." <laughs> No, don't ask him for the moon. Don't ask him for the moon. Mr. Squig. Hey, Squigs. Don't call him. He doesn't mind if I... Do you mind if I call you Squigs? No, look. If you go on the moon, you reckon you could get me a bit of that moon rock? Because I know a bloke down at the pub. And he reckons we can get a good couple of grand for moon rock. You can't? All right. Well, yeah. Fair suck of the server. All right, Mr. Squigs. Don't... He's fine. You're right. You're fine. You're okay with that, aren't you? Aren't you, you skinny bastard? Ah, he knows I'm joking. Yes. That's what Gus was like, that right? was what <laughs> Gus was like. Um, so there was Gus and then there was manic, de- manic depressive dealing with severe depression, Blackboard. Oh, what was, yeah. Now, why was Blackboard so depressed? Do we like? We probably had this conversation last time. But well, that's, it's worth a revisit. It yeah. was a squiggle reboot. <laughs> why was Blackboard so depressed? Because these fucking people just come up and just draw on him all day but and then wipe his face clean. Isn't that the essential essence of being a blackboard maybe he doesn't want to be a, that well maybe he was is he the first i ever? mean he, you know what he came from slate maybe he came from a proud family of slate right you know and his uncle is like actually part of the un building you know that oversees some of the most important global decisions and he's getting drawn on by three-year-olds are drawing dicks on his face like of course he's upset yeah but he's also like you know in a position where he's got contact with like the world's first Alien, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, he must have some sort of classified. It's not, not a bad job. Like, you get to hang out with a man from the moon. Now, t- t- so do you think that Blackboard is the world's first ever sentient Blackboard? Is that part of the problem? Because Blackboard is <laughs> sent. <laughs> He's been cursed with life. Kill me. <laughs> well, that seemed to be his attitude. Yeah, right? it's hurry like, up. Just uh, hurry up. Because as soon as it's done, I'm throwing myself uh, <laughs> off a uh, building. Uh, hurry up. Like, what is it? Why was he constantly hurrying Mr. Squiggle up? What was Blackboard going to do with the rest of his day if he wasn't being drawn up? Black, okay, here's what they say about Blackboard yeah, on Wikipedia. Okay. okay, so Blackboard was the grumpy Blackboard Mr. Squiggle uses for an easel, whose catchphrases are hurry, hurry up, <laughs> hurry up, humph, yeah, <laughs> double humph, <laughs> double humph. and boring, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I forgot about boring. Squiggle Squiggle sounds like one of us. Yeah. So literally, he's got a mani- like a depressive, you know, a, a blackboard with issues. Yeah. Who's like because const- if you're constantly calling something boring and telling people to hurry up, that's actually a sign of something else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's something else going on with that blackboard it's that needs to be addressed. Do you think it's an existential crisis? Well, your theory that it's been cursed by some sort of witch and brought to life, life yeah. as a sentient being is. Yeah, because I think that's the thing. It's it's a bit like. You know, in the first um, a, a series of True Detective, that existential crisis that mm. um, Matthew McConaughey talks about is like being given consciousness and sentience is actually a curse. Mm. Like the universe works much better when it's all chaotic and you don't look for reason or meaning, you know. And he was happy as a bit of slate rock. Fuck, you know, maybe he stays in the earth, maybe he gets dug up and used for something. He has no control over that, doesn't have to make any decisions. 
Now he's got to fucking interact with a moon man and a talking steam shovel. Right. And he still doesn't have legs or the capacity oh, to... He does, doesn't he? Oh, does legs? he? Oh, maybe he does. So what does he do then in his downtime when he's not being a blackboard? Can he, does he have a house Drink. or something? He drinks. He drinks. Alone. <laughs> he drinks a lot. He drinks during the day. It's sad. <laughs> it's just he day drinks. <laughs> it's like the thing is like, yeah. I don't want to say anything to Mr. Squiggle, yeah, but, but last time yeah. uh, when he was on the fence and we, yeah. we drew on him, he smelled like booze. Yeah. Like it's, like, I think he brushed his teeth. Really? Like it, it was booze mixed with minty. mouthwash. Just a minty. You can tell, which kind of minty makes, it, boozy. makes it more obvious. Yeah. And maybe some weed. Yeah. Yeah, she's honest. He's They're half clothes. He's real. He's that blackboard real was fucking stoned. <laughs> Didn't even realise you were drawing upside down. Yeah. Uh, all right, so do you want to just a quick refresher on Mr. Squiggs? Yep. Central character, created by a cartoonist, Norman Hetherington... Uh, spun off in his own program 1959 basic premise of the show Great. remained the same what children the wrote in with squiggles and Mr. Squiggle mm. would turn them into recognisable drawings using his pencil nose more often than not the picture would be drawn upside down and it says here in brackets Hetherington manipulated the puppet from above by viewing the drawing upside down so our last uh, email was spot on and then Mr. Squiggle would gleefully declare upside down upside down asking his assistant to turn the picture the right way up to reveal the completed drawings um, I mean that was a pretty cool reveal though it was cool I you mean know? it's always like where's he going with this there's always a clown's face though. Like a d- <laughs> don't you reckon he always drew like a hat and it's like see is that an ice cream co- is it an ice cream cone no it's not an ice cream cone that's the top of his hat upside down and then turn it around it's like yeah it's a hat and a clown you know that um, Arn Doe show where he interviews yeah. people and yeah. they should replace him with Mr. Squiggle <laughs> Upside down. Bring upside back down. Mr. Squiggle and give him a half an hour show where he interviews like a celebrity, but at the same time he's squiggling their face. <laughs> his essential character uh, that's a marionette puppet with a pencil for a nose who visits his friends at the home of 93 Crater Crescent on the moon. Oh, so we're at his oh, place. Oh, hang on. We're on the moon. We're on the moon. Oh, no. Sorry. He visits his friends from his oh, house, oh. 93 My Crater My mind was Crescent. about to be blown. <laughs> I thought he was the man from the moon. He flies to Earth in his pet rocket named Rocket. So his rocket is sentient. His pet rocket? His rocket did seem to have some sort of sentience. Yeah. It was that big silver thing, right? Yeah. Every episode, he'd create several pictures from squiggles set in by children around the country. He's cheery, scatterbrained, and he's often distracted and occasionally goes for spacewalks. Yeah, that's like when uh, dad, dad's just gone, tat bins out, yeah. rolls a sneaky little... <laughs> Where's, where's dad? No, he's having a spacewalk. <laughs> spacewalk time. Yeah, him and, Bla- him and Blackboard would go for a spacewalk, I'm sure. Hey, Blackboard, you want to go for a spacewalk? <laughs> All right, other characters. So we've already talked about Blackboard. Yep. Gus the Snail. Yes. Who, who What's had, their description of a Gus? Gus the Snail, who had a TV for a shell and later a flower pot and often tells knock-knock jokes. Yeah, That's but he's right. always had that personality like, ha, ha, ha. That big fucking you know, Aussie bloke. He's like, fuck off, Gus. He's so annoying. <laughs> well, he's just your uncle who lives in a van. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bill the steam shovel. Oh, Bill. I'd forgotten about Bill. Yeah, because he had smoke coming out of his nose. Yeah. He liked to tell corny jokes and belt steam, talcum powder out of his nose. Talcum powder. <laughs> yeah, right. No wonder Bill was always telling jokes. He's like, hey, hey, squigs, squigs. I mean, I, <laughs> why is everyone calling me squigs? 
Hey, screw you. I've got to tell you something really different. Hey, tell you, I'm just going to say, I just, uh, I think that maybe this show is great, but maybe, I just think maybe you give me a bit more time on it. A bit, a bit more time on it. Just, I'm just going to hang on. I'll be back up on one bit. Okay. Hey, squeak, squeak, squeak. This is like, dude, there's so much powder coming out of your nose right now. Welcome. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. So, well, that makes sense because Bill's in the construction industry. So, <laughs> <laughs> used to drive trucks long distance. Oh, man. Okay. This is our, we're going to our uh, our, our team mail, Patreon okay. subscriber mails. Winner sticker pack, uh, sticker sheet. This is from Elena. Hey, Tofop. I felt compelled to write in as I'm excited by the prospect of another Willegal tour. Oh, God. What, you, what month was this sent? Um, this is 5th of June. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've not been able to see it and needing the catharsis of knowing what happened on the flight, I decided the next week's thing would be to see Will's new show and made a trip especially to see uh, in Melbourne this year. After booking tickets nice and early, I then realised that Will and Fawn was actually coming to the Spiegel tent in Hobart so I could have just saved myself a bit of money there. Then I hear that because the show wasn't quite ready, Will actually do Will Eagle instead. I kicked myself for being too organised. And Charlie, I'm only 24 and I've been told... And I've been told that I will be prone to ear infections because they are very small. So it's good to hear from you that there's hope for successful life despite my tiny ears. <laughs> Thanks again for the great content, Alina. Alina? Alina. Uh, I, I am going to do a Will Eagle again now. I'm going to, I made some decisions about my stand-up this week. So I'm going to do um, my improv show at the Comedy Festival for half of it. And I'm going to do Will Eagle for half of it. So... Uh, a lot of people haven't seen that show who wanted to see it and I've made some changes to it over the couple of years. So I'll, if people do want to see Will Eagle, Alina, Elena, uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival next year, I'm definitely going to do it. Andrew writes in, hey Topher, around four years ago, give or take, I was telling a friend of mine to listen to Fat Man on Batman and the Dollop when he says, have you heard of Topher? <laughs> no, what's that about? I asked. You couldn't really answer the question. <laughs> But I suggested, but suggested I would like it. It's a bit like Smodcast, but Australian. Bingo, we did it, Will, finally. <laughs> That's all we wanted. So I got out the old smartphone, downloaded Ep1, and listened to you guys ramble on as I made my way into the city via the eastern. Side note, my speakers have never quite recovered from having to crank the volume in those early Eps. Yeah, it's yeah. rough. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just a little side note. Uh, you know how we discussed the missing eps? Yeah. So um, we've got some great listeners out there who have actually saved the eps for us, have downloaded them to their phones, so we can actually get them back into our archive. And a few, couple of the ones that were missing apparently are on Omni. They're just not showing up on Apple. So if you want to try and get the whole collection, maybe start with Omni first, and okay. we'll get about getting those missing episodes back up. Um. I wanted to thank you guys for keeping me entertained through peak hour traffic and for inspiring me to get involved in the podcasting world. I can't remember if it was on Fofop or Tofop, but Will suggested starting a podcast is a bit like starting a covers band. Old mate, KS, always encouraged his listeners to start a podcast, Kevin Smith, sorry, but it wasn't until Will's little speech that I truly became motivated to make it happen. So thanks. Before I finish up, I thought I'd share my little story about how I met Will once before. Oh. I was working in a pet masseuse. <laughs> it was around at 2008-ish and I just finished a little late shift working in a shop on Little Burke Street in Melbourne. I hadn't eaten and I was starving so I made my way up Little Burke Street and grabbed the biggest mixed kebab I could find. I was walking through Little Chinatown absolutely smashing a giant kebab when I recognised a familiar face walking towards me. It's Will Anderson. I've been obsessed with the Gruen transfer 
and it was super excited to meet him in person. But as he got closer, I realized that I had a mouthful of kebab and kebab juice on my hands. <laughs> I was struggling with the decision of whether or not to say hi or not when Will made the decision for me. He gave me a look that I'll never forget. And without actually saying the words, uh, and without actually saying the words, I could hear Will Anderson's voice in my head say, are you hungry, mate? <laughs> Followed by, please don't stop and say hi. Please don't stop and say hi. <laughs> I decided against saying hi and continued walking home. <laughs> it was the best kebab, kebab I ever had. Uh, uh, regards, Andrew. So do you remember that? Do you remember seeing a guy eating the world's biggest kebab and thinking, fuck, mate. <laughs> you hungry, mate? <laughs> Uh, okay, okay. One, one more. It's from Adam. Hey, Toe Pop, I'm an Aussie who's been living and working in Silicon Valley. Oh, right, right. okay. Can you make sure the world doesn't fucking end? <laughs> Can you please stop, like, mining our data and selling off information? Or get us involved in the racket. Oh, yeah. It might be too late to... Yeah. But if there's some advantage you can get Tofop... Yeah, some app. Put it in the algorithm. Yeah. Get some Russian bots involved in this podcast. Yeah. They just start saying, you just need to divide your audience. That's how you make money. Yeah. <laughs> One controversial statement each week. Uh, but I live in Silicon Valley, California for a couple of years now. It's an awesome place to be and I'm surrounded by loads of creative people with amazing tech ideas. No matter how crazy an idea is, it seems like there's always some venture capitalist willing to throw money at it. This doesn't sound good. <laughs> as long as it involves apps or the cloud or if you can describe it as like a blank for blank. It's like dumper. It's like Twitter for garbage bins. Right, good one. That's a little joke at my expense. <clears throat> Some of these ideas go on to make people super rich while burning through billions of dollars of funding. Creative people, amazing ideas, burning money. Sounds like Tofop. It does. Sounds exactly like Tofop. The <laughs> podcast of Silicon Valley. So here's a hypothetical for you. Okay. Let's say I've made $10 million working here and I want to invest in Tofop Industries. I'm liking oh, this hypothetical. Oh. Because I believe that you can turn my millions into billions. Yeah. Pitch me some super expensive money-making tech ideas. Cheers, Adam. And here's my details for a sticker sheet. Uh, if you have the choice, if it's a choice between um, cheapness, Charlie, this is my mum's address in Australia. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to give it to you because based on that, yeah, based that, on the fact that, that you went to the effort of providing an Australian address, yeah, he's giving me his mum's address. So I think uh, um, Adam, Adam wins. Over the years, we have had so many ideas on this podcast about of things that I actually think could have been mm. if we were in Silicon Valley that we could have at least sold to people. Yeah. I'm not saying that they were necessary ideas for the world, but things that we could have at least sold to people. Yeah. Blue apron for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I think I th I still think like a, a a concierge for service for moving to a new country. Mm. Or just like a new town, even it could be like a local sort of. I think it's really hard when you like move particularly to a different country to know how does like getting Things. a driver's license work, or yeah. how does like how do I you know which power company should I be going with, or how does this work, or whatever. If there was some sort of app or service, isn't that just like social media? Isn't that what like Australians in LA and all those kind of Facebook groups are? We're like, hey guys, I just moved here. Yeah. Where but I, I want, like, if you could just get, like, a person to come in. A human to do it. A human to a come butler. and do it for you. <laughs> a butler. Exactly. I think they're called PAs. Yeah. I think that technology exists well. I'm sure if you just go to a temp agency. But in an app version. But it's an app, Charlie. I'm sure that would exist. If you had, like, some kind of like employment. Like the concierge app or something. Yeah, there'd be some employment app, like executive assistant app. And it's like, you know, 
LinkedIn. <laughs> I imagine that's what LinkedIn is, right? Well, no, but LinkedIn's for jobs and stuff, right? Yeah, but this is a job. You want someone to come and organize your life for you. Oh, yeah, but I want it to just to be an app like where you can, it can be. Oh, like so a, there's not a human. Hang on. So well, as in, like, oh, you don't I, want a person. I want it mostly to be an app and then occasionally like an Uber, like there yeah. might be some or an Airtasker or whatever, I guess. Someone who can actually, you know. Okay, so the app would be. You open it up, you arrive in a new country mm. and it gives you a list of things. What do you want to do? Connect yeah. my gas, get a driver's license, you know, find a rental, blah, 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 oh. blah, blah. You fill that out, load it, and then someone contacts you from the company and says, oh, hey, we've just read through your, you know, your information sheet. We've got someone who can help you with this stuff. Um, uh, if you go to the next page of your app, you can get these things sorted now. Like just click here, we'll put the links there for you. And then someone will be coming around on Thursday to do this thing in which you need to yeah. be talked through. It's exactly what I'm talking about. All right. We've got, Adam, we've got your billion dollar idea, concierge app. We call yeah. it Ponzi, Ponzi, Ponzi Surge. Ponzi, Ponzi Surge. Ponzi <laughs> Because it's a concierge system, but also a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> you want to make millions of dollars? Ponzi Surge. <laughs> Uh, Ja Rule's involved already Which is great We're got a bunch of hot models We're going to go film a promo for it Next week Will and I are going to get drunk And like fall off boats And ride jet skis around like dorks Um, What else did I think of the other day That would be a good app I did actually have a thought the other day I was like that'd be a good That'd be a good app Um, (laughs) Ponzi urge um, What about I often this might be a very specific thing and I don't know how you get people to agree to it but I'm fascinated by um tasting what other people eat at restaurants so yeah. what if there was some sort of system some kind of app called uh, leftovers but but take out all the vowels so it's like yeah spell so it's like a q a q reader scanner thing where you just see someone's plate at a restaurant you just take a photo and it goes in and then they send you a sample size of that thing. Oh, no. Oh. I was actually thinking it was more like if you're at a restaurant and you're not going to eat all your cake or whatever, right. you can like say, rather than going back to the kitchen and being wasted, you can kind of just post it. Like you've got, I've got, yeah. I'm at this restaurant yeah, yeah. and I go to it's this like restaurant. Tree I open up, I open up the app and then it's like, there's someone over on a table over there who's like, yeah. got who, the, who got the garlic broccoli yeah. and then they just post that it's available yeah, and then you can sort of bid on it, maybe even like yeah. put a dollar into their account, and then the waiter just goes and grabs it off their table and brings it over to your table. Or do you need the app to do that? Like, if you couldn't, you just go into a restaurant where it's understood that's the way it goes, and you can just start bidding without the app. Well, we're trying to come up with an app. <laughs> yeah, but the app tells you where those restaurants are, <laughs> and you can pre-book your bids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the idea wasn't solve the restaurant industry. The idea was come up with an app. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter individually and as a podcast, Tofop. You can also go to tofop.com, check out a bunch of our other podcasts. We do an AFL one, which is uh, winding towards finals. We have Velocity, which is doing really well. We got a couple went up last week. Yes, and um, uh, the 100th episode will uh, will have Bloody already been up. You racked up a ton. Yeah. You are a workhorse, aren't you? But it'll be, yeah, the 100th will have been up by the time people You're like one this. of those AFLW footballers who like, had it like you know you've got racked up three hundred faux fops you know two hundred and something toe fops and hundreds like you've been a professional in like six different sports before you got to this one. I it's like oh yeah I won a gold medal in cycling and javelin and stuff and now I'm doing this. There is 
Yeah, almost three whole career. There's almost three hundred faux fobs. That's crazy. Dave Anthony and I have done nearly because the last two are Dave Anthony episodes. I've done some new ones recently, and they just leak out occasionally. But I think Dave and I have nearly done a hundred of those. <laughs> so we've essentially had our own sort of like hundred semi podcast. Um, Dofop. And yeah, so then there's a yeah, there's the faux fops, and yes, there's a hundred uh, tofod uh philosophy episodes up there now so uh check that out that'd be good and darwin oh darwin yeah oh, I hang on this come out in two weeks yeah no that's fine no. um well it may be sold out by the time people are hearing this but if not uh darwin uh darwin festival i'm doing will legal i'm charlie gloss and i'm will anderson podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you